1: Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Telford, joined by Ben Roy Turner. It's very cold in here. I'm Josh Brown. I'm freezing. My it, lips
2: are not going to open. It is ludicrously
1: cold as we record in the actual studio. It's the day of our Christmas due. We've got a couple hours before we go and eat lots of stuff and drink lots of stuff and go to bed at seven o'clock. But before then, we thought we'd take the time out to do some very specific 2021 video game recommendations. And we do have a full-on best of 2021 list coming up as well, where we'll attempt to twat the living S out of each other over what the actual game of the year is. Um, But before then, we've got some specific stuff to recommend that are just little bits and bobs that maybe didn't get the coverage they deserved or just things that we think other people should play. Starting with The Forgotten City, um, something that I think Josh was the first person to get through. Then, Ben Roy, you thundered through it. And then on Sunday, I needed a break from 50 hours of Halo, so I played all eight hours of it (laughs) in one go. I did all four endings in one sitting. And Forgotten City is just just absolute insanity, isn't it? We're not going to do spoilers. No.
2: But oh my god. Speaking of spoilers though, I Go actually on. have a story to share in this podcast uh, because I was doing something when you were playing that and you okay. messaged me with the picture of you getting ending number one Yes, and I was like, this is amazing Scott is playing it, but I thought you had an ending that you did not get at that point so I was talking to you as if you had uh. known more than you had <laughs> and I was so worried that I'd spoiled <laughs> the entire thing for you but thought, fortunately it did not because that's how good this game is that everyone can get different endings and have a completely different experience through it to the point where you're so paranoid to talk about it that (laughs) you don't know what they've done you don't know what they've seen
1: need to very quickly outline that the Forgotten City is it originally started as a Skyrim mod as a very small team of developers who then spent the, net, the last sort of, three to four years taking this mod and fleshing it all out they could the whole thing themselves ludicrous story of the amount of crunch they put themselves under to be able to put the thing together um, but story wise you play as a custom protagonist who falls into a city that's underground amongst a whole cave system and they live by what is called the golden rule which means that if any one of those people in that small city commits a sin every single person will be turned to a golden statue the only way to get around that is that when a sin is committed the uh, emperor of the place is called Centius will run over to a certain spot in the land and trigger a portal which resets time uh, which means that he dies again but you jump through the portal if you can get there in time without being killed by the various statues that come to life while they're turning people into gold and then you can reset time try and figure out what's going on try and figure out who's about to cause the sin it's kind of like a murder mystery it's kind of like a general mystery thing but that game Goes places, and I didn't see a lot of them coming, and obviously we can't talk about it because it's spoilers, but the third and
3: fourth, the fourth ending in particular is the best and worst moment of the year simultaneously. (laughs) The the many suffer for the sins of the one a lot of time, and the the, the endings are great, but I also like the certain little moments that you can have in this game. Um, I'm, I'm I, a certain character that you come in there with a gun or what, like. I think you can so you, you can choose everyone? to start with a gun if you want. So <laughs> yeah. then you have a finite amount of
1: bullets that can then. What else? Because uh,
3: I I always had the
1: gun. I I did the the gun um, back too. Oh, oh I didn't a, have a gun.
3: You can't be an amnesiac where you don't remember anything at all. I, it's the sol- That's why it was because a soldier. But the gun is, I, I believe, the only thing that can take out the statue lads when everyone starts to suffer. So you can clock, <gasps> you can glock one of them as you go. But the <laughs> the best thing about the gun, right, there's this um assassin that comes in a part of the game. Yep. It, imagine this um it's one area, but imagine it's split into quadrants. I'm This have a smaller quadrant near of some poles after something may or may not collapse and you can use <laughs> it to your advantage. Yes. Right? But the I didn't know that I that was an option to fall uh, fall the assassin into a certain mm-hmm. place. So, was like, so oh, yeah, so I was just told him to go that way. Right. Wait for him to turn around and go behind him and- Blah! and then just glocked him <laughs> in the back of the head. Took his bow because I know needed his bow. And then the
2: many shall <laughs> suffer. And I'm like
3: ah, and I'm, and I'm running away as everything's like collapsing. And I managed to get out with the bow. I was like oh, I've got the bow now. I, and I felt like I broke the game in that way, which <laughs> well, I, I haven't seen anyone else do. Which no, I, I, I no, I did the
1: exact same thing because I also if you uh, take money from him because there's a person, there's a there's a merchant seller who's realised that because no one can kill, because no one can yeah. uh, steal, no one can do any of these sinful things, he can overcharge money for um, certain medicine that he's then taking. out advantage of people that need it and uh, you can try and get the medicine off him but he asks you for it's either 10,000 of the coin or it's 1,000 it's a lot compared to what you have access to because obviously money is very finite in that space in itself but taking advantage of the loops you can just Loot bodies, loot things, trigger the whole sinful the apocalypse thing, reset time, and then then have a whole bunch of money. And then you can go with the guy and be like, I just have 10,000 coins right <laughs> here. I'll buy this thing. Or like you said, get
3: the bow, and then use that bow to take different people out, maybe stop an assassin from killing someone, et cetera. And this game also does what um, 12 minutes failed at, where 12 yes. minutes makes you agonizingly go to the fridge and stuff all the time and look at your phone and blah, blah, blah. Do 10 things to do one different thing. But with this, they've got a nice little helpful lad that go, by the way, do this, this, and this. Yeah, I'll do that. And then he does does half the game for you that you've already done when you're trying to progress. And with these like Obviously, it's a timely game, so you go through and through and through. Uh And you've got this one helpful person who will just go and do half of the stuff you don't need to do. And I just loved that that was in there because I was starting to... because. I had, was having, like, um, flashbacks to 12, 12 minutes, and I, was, and I was thinking of Willem Dafoe, and I was like, don't, please don't be in this game Willem Dafoe. Like, I just can't deal the thing with like, with that game again.
1: Yeah, the thing with, like, time loop games, because this is by far a year of the time loop. It's kind of crazy, the
3: amount of different
1: projects that have all landed this year that are all time loop based, from death yeah. loop to 12 minutes to now, Forgotten City. Um, but for me, I check, uh, time loop games for me are my checkpoint anxiety and carnet. I'm just, I'm only losing out on stuff. I'm replaying things over and over again. I hate it. But, Forgotten City actually does it well. It's one like like Ben Roy said. You talk to this guy called uh, Galerius, and after a while, you know who to tell, to stand where, to avoid being killed, who to stand where, um, to maybe affect a a certain um, political election that's going to go down a certain way, uh, and that changes different things, and once you realize you can talk to him, you get that empowering side of time loop stuff, which for me is like fundamental, otherwise you are just spending time getting back to the point that you wanted to change to do something different, and I feel like because they um, figure out such a great way of expediting the beginning bit, you get back to the thing you want to change really quickly, and it also means you can go up to characters and be like, I already know everything you're about to tell me, all your darkest secrets Uh, you're about to go and do this but actually don't do that go over there instead Um, I need this to happen instead Um, and I feel like they nailed that I feel like uh, this is what 12 minutes in Deathloop wished they were yeah. Like it nails that sense of empowerment over time in a way that to me, at least Deathloop and 12 minutes absolutely did not.
2: Yeah, I think out of them all, it's definitely the best structured in how it, you know, banks your time, like mm. you said, and how it um honors your progression through the game. It's there's very little repetition considering mm. how um, you know, repetitious the subgenre <laughs> inherently is. And Quite I a think small space as well for your <laughs> around it. And I think that's kind of like summed up by the fact that when I got the first ending, when I figured out, well figured out the main thread on who was going to break the rule and I got all the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who um, you confront like understands what's going on. Um, not much of a spoiler, mm-hmm. but then they kind of comment in, in the game comments on how many loops you've done. In the amount of loops I had done was one. <laughs> <No> <laughs> At way. that point, I had done one loop and got to this point. And I was oh. like, that is, it's cool. that You can go through and abuse that system over yes. and over again to, like you said, get the money, you know, incrementally change things, but also you can go in there, just have a play around, be very careful with what you do, and then find an ending like that. I love how different each Players well, playthrough is. I'm going to talk about
1: one, the gimmick ending, the secret ending, the stupid ending. Um, obviously it's spoilers to some degree, but it's definitely not story based. It is just something you can do that breaks the game and then they, they reward you for it, which is um, the character that I mentioned before, Sentius, the person who was creating the portal so you can reset time. You can just kill him instead when he's on the way to reset the portal, um, which gives you a gimmick ending where you're thrust back into the modern day. You're, uh, did we even mention it was ancient Rome? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but you get thrust back to the modern day because if that dude never existed. He could never create the portal which brings you back to the past in the first place and you get a whole different ending that way but I, that was the first ending I got in about five minutes because I was like I'm just going to shoot the guy that uh, is trying to make
3: the portal and just you, see what happens because it's hard to get him with a bow because it keeps pulling you away but the, you can just glock him in the back of the head Yes, like, that's the the gun is the greatest thing where you can just you, you don't come out with your bullets so, you, so you've got a finite amount of them but just uh-huh. trying to say what happens if I shoot this person yes. yeah. and the great thing about all these reveals is this game is 90% the imagine uh, everyone talking in uh, Fallout 3 where you're just looking at the, but these eyes aren't dead and that's 90% <laughs> of the game either talking to people like that or going around like rummaging around in bins and then my, I wish I, I did the brown where I got a good first leap but I was like in a back room I was like no one's here what if I just take this like 50, 50 quid in the thing and uh, then was, the many shots cause was, you like, stole could, and then they could <laughs> see me everywhere I was like what <laughs>
2: right. this, is, this is why I only had one loop this is why they were like you've only you've only done it one time because the first thing i did when you see sentius and he's like yeah you're in a time loop don't commit any crimes i walked into a room and it was like do you want to link this chest do you want to take 50, 50 gold and i was like uh, yeah so i took it and then it was like you whatever it is the uh, many will suffer for the sins of the few whatever it is that whole thing though i think is a is a really good way
1: to incentivize you down the right path it makes you think because the the whole other wing to this game is this massive philosophical dissection of morality and I think they could do more with it but you do get to have really cool conversations with Centius when you first get there about the difference of the Roman Empire the way the morals were back then and the way that obviously the modern day is and different things and different ways the crimes work and for example, Centius's opinion on slavery and the way that he justifies it, and like in his his idea and stuff like that, and eventually you run into different characters that literally ask you, "Can we have a philosophical conversation? Um, and oh, can we just sit down with this, you know, and talk for like ten minutes about morality and good and, and
3: uh, right and wrong and everything else?" There's also a great like half and half relationship subplot which you're like sort of convincing feeling like mm. um someone's saying something is a sin but you're like whatever's well, if it's a sin why hasn't it already got everyone yes. killed and he's like, well actually and then you find out more about this character who's being a bit of um I say a bigger at some point. Mm. And uh, I just love like little moments like that like trying to break their mind. But like, well it's not really a sin though because why are we all still alive? Yeah like all these conversations that just fall down and like even from like that little weasel guy who's trying to keep the medicine from you. And stuff. like, well, you can try and steal it, but we're all dead then. They also,
1: they really know, like the way that it's written from your point of view, there's no voice acting for your character, but you pick loads of different dialogue options, but you can voice exactly what you need to. Like you can say like, well, this doesn't make sense because why didn't this happen before? Like if this is a sin, then this would have triggered before. How are you guys all still alive? Um, and, and you can break those things down. Um, but yeah, the way that game goes is, is for me, one of the biggest reasons to recommend it, even though I think the ultimate secret end, or the final ending, what they call the
2: canon ending, <laughs> is, like I said, one of the worst things I've ever seen. So just, <laughs> yeah. oh my, I well, could not believe they did this that. Is, this is the thing. This is the issue with recommending The Forgotten City, which we've talked it's about on a few podcasts at this point, because it goes to places that you just don't want to spoil and mm. the the setup of obviously trying to figure out who's going to break the golden rule and that entire kind of murder mystery thing is like just one layer of this game that just yes. goes deep and deep and deep and the story that you think it is at the start isn't the story that is at the end but you don't want to spoil what that is so all <laughs> I have to say is anyone is listening to this and really wants uh, an engaging kind of adventure um, narrative driven game like don't ever trust us, but trust us on this no, one. No, entirely you know trust what I mean? us. All trust the time. us on this one, and yes. please take a take a leap and try it for yourself, and let us know what you think of these mad revelations. Also, it's tight AF. Like you can get one of the
1: endings in like five ten minutes. You know, I, mean, I did all four of them in about eight hours ish. It's a very short game overall. Like you could come yeah. back to it, but you can have a good run. It feels satisfying to get these different endings and figure things out. It just feels fun to explore the world. Um next thing down, which is um, obviously got a bit more conversation around it, but we're going to touch on it, is it takes two. Something that at the minute is a going a whole legal thing where it's going to be changing its name very soon because Epic are suing them for uh, copyright infringement apparently but the game itself the That's crazy thing, that sorry know, not to interrupt but that is yeah. just mad It changes everything about the way that it's listed on all the
3: Game Awards it's, stuff oh it's like God. Epic's timing is horrendous It's like uh, Monster uh, so I can't remember who they were suing but because Monster own the copyright to the word Monster they would they, any, any product that comes out mm. now that has anything Monster in it they like, no, mate, you can't. Well, Bethesda do that. tried
1: to sue uh, Mojang's game after the Minecraft. they Scrolls. They reckon that they own Scrolls. And like <laughs> King tried to uh, do it the same thing as well, but I forget what that was for. But either way, it's a dumb, it's a dumb, dumb thing. But um, yeah, it takes to, um, continues to get talked about. It is one of the games of the year, up for the games of the year at the Game Awards. Um, and all three of us have played it. Only Ben Roy, I believe, has finished it. Yes. Um, and it's one of those things that I feel like most people are curious about. They don't know whether they should dive in. It is co op mandated. You can't play it solo. So either that's someone in person, which is better or an online uh, partner, but
3: Ben were your thoughts after having finally finished this elongated AF game? Well, it's, it's weird because, like, oh, you'd say you'd almost think that this is a partner game, and then when I say yeah. a partner game, it's like, imagine we're people, that, we're humans that play games a lot, <laughs> and then you might play, you, you mentioned it might be something you play with someone who's not game-versed. Like I'm trying to say, it doesn't have to be an exact partner, I play this with a mate. Yeah. But like you were saying, like because um, my friend played a way out with his, um, I don't know, say when they're half married or when you're almost I can't your friend mate, I don't know. When you're engaged in, they're engaged, yeah well, it, well, if it's engaged D, you know what I'm gonna say. Yeah. And um they played a way out and like, they managed to get through that. And I think a way out is a very sort of like I love a level way. Out. Uh, it's it's just a it's just like, like almost a simple game. And I don't mean to say that derogatory like it just you know sometimes control, moving yeah, yeah. cameras and th- that will ruin people. And then we pl- start to play text it two it's like this could be one of them. And you get through it. it's like, man, this is some sort of hardcore every type it of
1: brutal brutal like
3: the boss battles are ludicrous and like certain things from like murdering a hoover with its own suckers to like <laughs> fighting armies of wasps and then going through until like like s- it becomes like a full third person shooter or it yeah. becomes like a full timing based platforming game that you and the person who's not played games need to nail and then like going through this like snow world and you got tight platforming on like hard rails and then you go in, there's underwater levels you got dodge giant fish like mm. in um the Phantom Menace and stuff like that <laughs> and other things when you're on bugs and you're jumping through rivers of, and then there's like lava the turret stuff. sequences yeah running away from armies of hedgehogs trying to destroy you after doing <laughs> a stealth mission past hedgehogs where one of you is the grass and one of you has got to sneak on your friend to make sure you don't wake up all these hedgehogs mm. it, it's mad it goes so far and you think you're getting towards the end and then that, ma- that, met- that crazy book lad, I love that <laughs> book pulls out oh by the way there is a contract I'm split into four Pieces now you'll go four different more worlds. That you- is some Zelda Whoa. Wind Waker. BS. I think the
1: thing with um, with this is that Joseph Farrow has approved himself a couple times over. Brothers and a way out, and I feel like it's interesting that EA published it. But I feel like they went, okay, what do you want to do? Like, just it's, it feels like a blank check game, like because it's really, really long. And every single idea that he had didn't feel like he left a single thing on the on the cutting room no. floor. Um, it's very, very long um, in a good way, like well, in a, in a semi way. But the amount of things you can do
3: in this game, the amount of individual co-op uh, mechanics, the evil is monkey, is did you come across that evil monkey? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just of that. and then you're on um, you ride on the back of a beetle, and I swear he sounds like <laughs> Phil Mitchell or something. <laughs> just like, and there's, there's so many weird voice choices for that. A lot of these characters, so like, much character, so much character yeah, in it though. Like it I it's like so hilarious at points. Like what is going on? It's just, it's a lot of just just Joseph
1: farris's approach to media. Like he just seems to he wants to have a laugh. He likes overblown characters. He likes memorable one liners and things like that. And just there's so much to it that I really, really love. I think he he feels like the next wave of auteurs. Like, it's been a while since there's been a new auteur, like, in the industry. And I feel like I can champion him. And I feel like it's good to see him able to do this. Um, I feel like we're bringing up It Takes Two, though, because it is an all-round recommendation, or at least it would be from me. Um, but it is just so long. I feel like it's worth touching on because some people might get put off by the co-op thing. But that is by far the, ba- the biggest strength
3: to it. I will it. say the story in the end is a bit predictable. But the way that they no. bring the characters together... It, I, I was I was waiting to roll my eyes <laughs> as hard AF as I could. I was like, you've actually done this pretty well, and I can't yeah. believe you did this. Well, you spent
1: so much time with them at that point that, like, whatever's going to happen. I swear, this is like a
3: 100-hour game. but um, <laughs> It does like, feel like it. Now, after uh, A Way Out, I was disappointed. And I think we were doing podcasts back when A Way Out came out. And I was yeah. like, oh, I don't like this, man. I didn't like A Way Out, really. I thought it was I a bit, bit rubbish towards the end. And, uh, the ending was good, but I mean, it just got to, like, ugh. Mm. This game has sold me on anything Joseph Farris does for, like, the rest of time, unless he just <laughs> makes the worst thing ever. Mr.
1: Uh, Josh Brown, quick thoughts on It Takes Two. I know that both of us got what we thought was a good chunk through it, <laughs> and then there's a whole other half to go. <laughs> You're in the
3: tutorial, mate. Oh,
1: I know,
2: you might as well be. Well, that's exactly it. You know, I've been threatening to go back to it all year, <laughs> but for me, when it comes to, like, co-op games, I will play them with my partner, and oh. I'm horrible when it comes to playing games with, because I want right. to do it as fast and as, as efficient as possible and I have no time just to jump take, in air dash <laughs> just air dash twice i have no time falling down some no of the So, which is exactly it. what you said you know I feel like if you are a person who loves co-op games and you have someone who's absolutely up for it definitely get it because like you're saying I really enjoyed A Way Out but that is so much so rudimentary much play, in yeah. comparison to this it's like crazy how much of a step up this is in terms of polish in terms of game feel in terms of the length and the variety and stuff not to say A Way Out was bad by any means but this feels all like triple A at times, you know, Mm. it feels like a incredibly well put together game that is as fun to play as it is fun to observe from a gimmick perspective.
1: That's a whole other thing to just all round this thing off is that the gameplay side of it, the pure, the feel of it is like as polished as Astro Bar or as polished as a Ratchet and Clank. Like it is ludicrous how pristine it is. Like I said, it's only Joseph Farris' third game Um, and, like, his That's team crazy. at Hazelight... Is crazy. You know, his team at Hazelight, Oh, I mean, obviously, they're backed by EA. They have a lot of money to uh, fall back on. But, like, he's turning these things around, like, as a, as a creative director. And I just think that even the base gameplay side of it is leagues ahead of where anyone else would be in his position
3: or that studio would be in. I, I can't believe how much this game pulled me in towards the end. And I just want to say, it cracked my top ten just because mm. I, I think it's that great. I still want to go back and finish it before the end of the year, but I also... Don't know. That's the boss <laughs> battles are brutal as hell.
1: one you've been playing another thing that I believe is a strand game called
2: Leak. Leak? <laughs> Leak? You've been playing a strand game called Lake. Oh, you haven't got any leaks today, Scott Tell, but it's not the news. I know, not at this time of the
1: day, not after you've done two other recordings because the <laughs> podcast ate itself.
2: <laughs> yes, um, Lake is a game that I played earlier this year when I was just wanting something really cozy, and i need to be upfront that it is a ropey game. You can okay. tell that it was made by... Um, not loads of people with not loads of resources. <laughs> for instance, there isn't even an animation harsh. to open a door which is weird for a game Phenomenal. when you are a post person delivering <laughs> post and you get in a truck that is full of post you in and out of it it over it and over again. Toolbox. But yeah, yeah. essentially the the premise of this game is that you play as this woman. Um, it's set a few decades ago and you are returning to your childhood home for the first time in a long time. You had moved away to the city. You'd become a successful... Um, like, computer person, I suppose. This okay. is, like, before computers were a big thing, and you're, like, doing a lot of coding for your bad boss who just wants you in work all of the time, and you're coming for this two-week break to work in your father's um, uh, post-delivery service, I guess. Uh-huh. So you're taking on his job, you're getting in the truck every day, and the game is just you driving around this idyllic um, town, delivering the post, forging relationships with the people you're delivering the post to, and kind of engaging in this small-town um The small town stakes, I suppose, so the entire game is you Having dialogue choices and making decisions about what you want to do in your night with your spare time. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, one strand has you um, flirting with the um, video rental clerk. <laughs> so you strike up a relationship with her. Um, you can talk about movies, or on the other hand, you can go and talk to a big, sexy lumberjack man who looks a bit like Luke Danes from Gilmore Girls, which I love. Not a clue what that is. Um, so yeah, that's exactly um, how high the stakes go. It's deciding. <laughs> who you want to go on a date with and what you're going to do on those dates. But it's uh, it's just so lovely and it brings all this small town vibe to kind of gather with a lush art style and this great soundtrack of, I think, original songs that mm. plays on the radio every single time you're, you know, obviously on your delivery route. Mm-hmm. So you hear these songs over and over again and you just kind of beco- you kind of feel like you live in this town after a while. And then it's just um, what you want to do as your character when you kind of become accustomed to that town. Do you want to go back to the city? Do you want to stay in this town? Um, is it as bad as you thought it was? If you're a person who has moved away from home mm. and then returned to your hometown, like I feel like it will resonate with you a lot.
1: That, it reminds me a little bit like Night in the Woods. I remember when it I saw, bit, yeah. yeah, when I saw like some of the trailers for it. Like I said, it reminded me of like Kojima saying that his stra- the Death Stranding would spawn a whole new genre of go point to point, figure things out over time. And obviously there's no online component to Lake in the same way that Strand is, but it has that chill, just delivering stuff, that satisfaction of just uh, ticking boxes in that uh, reality. And we're not going to touch on the fact that you banked 80 more hours into Death Stranding, (laughs) but Lake seems to be a nice accompaniment to the feel of Death Stranding overall. Um, Something down there is something that um, I played that I just, it came out of nowhere, um, and I was just like, well, I'm going to have to play that, is Big Rumble Boxing Creed Champions. Now, I'm the only person, I feel like in the world, who cares about this game other than the people who actually made it. But I'm just a huge Rocky fan. I love him as a character, um, and as soon as they started putting out any footage of what is, literally it's all officially licensed, it's all the Rocky stuff, it's all the Creed stuff, every single character that's in both those uh, sets of movies, um, and all they all get given uh, stories as well, so if you want to play as Drago and see everything from his point of view, if you want to play as Drago's son, you totally can. If they die, do they die? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) They do not die, they uh, they get knocked out, they lie there, you hammer the buttons, you get back up, Um, three times you're allowed to get back up before you're TKO'd, Um, but the thing with this game, and the reason that I uh, largely ostensibly went for the platinum on it, until I hit some do 500 punches in this direction thing. um, Yeah, which is obviously the case in everything. um, Is that there's actually a deceptive amount of depth to the system itself. It's lots of rock, paper, scissors, um, you know, concentric circles expanding type stuff where it's, you know, this move beats this move. This move can duck under this move. This move will let you charge this move while you are evading in a different direction, which will place you somewhere else in the ring, letting you get a haymaker, which will do more damage because you're coming at the person from a different angle. uh, Building up different meters, letting you do the haymakers, letting you do fight night style slow motion punches, which people's jaws get all rubbery when you hit them which i haven't seen in about 20 years and i miss that level of knockout in most games there hasn't been anything like this since you know facebreaker or the fight night series even the ufc games shy away from zooming all the way in really letting you know that you just walloped a lad in the chops and that's what i want way more of so i've played an absolute hell of a lot of uh, big rumble boxing and i think that it's a very very tight fighting game um that completely pays off the licenses that it's uh using what happens when you punch the robot well, so, so the thing is, even Stallone himself has abandoned the big old robot. It's not even—it's uh, not even in the director's cut. He was—he uh, was served by it in an old fast food restaurant when he was when he was a, a youngin, and uh, he went back to recut the new movie. And he apparently he thinks it's stupid now. So shocking! I know. <laughs> so, so he's got a whole thing, and, uh, and the robot's not, hes not even mentioned. The robot's not even in there. And I,
2: don't I've know done what about. Ben, right? You don't understand. And you don't, you don't 4, know what the—you know what the robot is for Rocky Four. The sexy seen, robot. I think
3: I've seen Rocky and then Balboa and then I've seen Creed. You Indeed. What mate? Go get on Go See. Rocky this is then not it. They just it. punch each other in the face over and over
1: again. Wait, there's a there robot music. in the fourth one. <laughs> go watch the original version of Rocky 4 when Rocky buys Paulie a robot and it says Happy Birthday Polly and it's incredible. You don't need much else in your life, but what you do
3: need is Chernobylite, a recommendation from Mr. Benroy. Yeah, so uh, we've all been talking about cozy games and how <laughs> we to be cozy. and I, My idea of being cozy is going out to a nuclear wasteland, which I have done IRL in real life mean to Chernobyl, but mm-hmm. I wanted to do it again in the form of a video game. So Chernobylite is... Uh, th- It's a open segmented world. I think it's like it's a uh, way to say like there's five different sort of like large areas that you can go to Uh. over the course of like 25 days, and what you're trying to do is uncover. You're you're here to find someone uh, and to uncover a few mysteries. I'm not saying character names or anything like that because Mm -hmm. you should just go into it. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's, It's it's got so much charm. It feels it feels cheap, but at the same time, it feels like I. I like that cheapness, and I've missed the sort of, like, simplification of some games, even though you pick up stuff by weight, and it's got, like, numbers attached to it. You've got a home base, which you can build out, build, like, a farm almost, and you can build shelves and put things up there like that, and uh-huh, uh-huh. you build beds to have people to come over and hopefully stay. So you build a team towards this, like, Chernobyl heist, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting. A heist. Yeah, you, you sort of, like, um, at the end it's like you, you need to break into the reactor and, like, oh. the, all these people you hire or get through have different skills. And, like, say one's really good at climbing and things, one's good at computers, and one's good at this and that. And like, like, so you need to then choose who you're going to take in with you at certain points. And if you do it wrong, you can go well wrong and people get effed up, <laughs> sort of thing. But there's sort of, like, um, to, to brief right over, there's, like, there are sort of... Um, Ghoulish monsters like in Fallout, and then mm. there are humans to deal with. But it's mainly each day, get in and out, you're trying to deal with something. And as you interact of a character, and you can have different times of day, it's sort of determined by, I think it's random, like you can have like nuclear storms, which is quite um, interesting. Like, mm-hmm. go in there, and you, you, what it is is like you need to work out if you should be going into this area or someone else on your team. And it's, and I keep saying this, it's over the 25 days. And I'm going to wrap it up by saying you should play Chernobyl. Right? It, it's janky in parts towards the end it does start kind of eat itself in terms of saves okay. where it's like oh don't don't close this game until you you're certain you've got a save because it, it can't how so it will auto save and you go, by the way I've deleted myself but um <laughs> just adding to the tension it, the it, it was a fun mystery to sort of find out and then when you do sort of other submissions during the night when mm-hmm. you're Trying to uncover a web of lies, shall I say. Uh-huh. That's also as that that sort of like jumps between time. There's so much here in this small package, so which I would love to see. I can't believe I say this, like the whole map of Chernobyl in one big map rather mm. than the small segmented things. Mm-hmm. Because we have so many open world games. It's like it's like kind of like a death loop <laughs> where you go into those zones each sort of day, sort of thing. Imagine it's sort of like that like that sort of enclosed mm. and certain things are happening. But yeah, I like the sort of like Games one, I'm going to get covered in radiation, post-apocalyptic sort of. It's like your thing. It's film. just what yeah, it, it's my jam. It's my film. I I mm-hmm. love games from that part of the world. So I would recommend Chernobyl. And it was on sale for like less than twenty recently.
1: It seems cool. I've I've seen it pop up on a bunch of different lists voice across acting the year. is
3: Terrible though.
1: You have said the voice acting is terrible, but at least the gameplay systems are really solid. It sounds a little bit like parts of um, State of Decay are kind of in there a little bit. Um, And a little bit of this war of mine kind of tone wise, but it seems like a very solid recommendation. Next thing down is Unpacking, a game that a lot of people tried on Game Pass. Uh, It's out on Xbox. I don't know if it's on other systems yet, um, but it's literally a, again, another chill game, um, but it's literally a game about unpacking boxes when you get to different parts of uh, different rooms, different homesteads. Um, and it's just it's just a really lovely reflection, and you don't realize just how much of if you think yourself about times you moved house or times you relocated to any degree, how much you banked that feeling, and how much like it's very hard to bring that out of someone. I find like there's not that many different um you know stimuli and media that's going to be able to make you feel like that. Like it's not necessarily homecoming; it's that transitionary period where it's like my life is in these boxes, and I'm going to put this out somewhere. Uh, and unpacking is literally about that. It's different points in a person's life um, when they were unpacking different things, whether that's in the 90s and it's all full of 90s ephemera, like a Game Boy or a really chunky PC monitor or whatever, um, or moving across the 2000s as they went uh, to different dorms, they went to university and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a very unique little game, and I think that it's more of a puzzle game than it lets on. I feel like it kind of opens to be more um like experiential where it's like here's a space here are some boxes inside are x number of things put them wherever you want but once you've finished where you think everything should go it'll just flash and be like actually this needs to go there this needs to go
3: there so there's more of a puzzle element to it than you think which is quite funny cuz i didn't really find out about this game until i read like a story online where people were putting their game cubes in the kitchen cuz <laughs> na- now we're in a timeline where humans don't know what a game is anymore and they, always, they found like, out what the save icon was they, they thought it was like a rice cooker or something i was like <laughs> What's going on here? But um, I do like that sort of aspect. Like you can't put, I don't know, you can't put your knives and forks in your bedroom. Like <laughs> clean it up and put them Get in up for a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you just clean up, okay? Mm-hmm. And like um, I I bought this um uh this game for a and she's playing. It. I was like, well, don't put the toilet rolls near the toilet because. You, like so, some people might stand up there, and you know, they, especially when you're in your dorms, they might miss, and then you're gonna pee <laughs> on your toilet roll, and you come back to all this toilet roll, pee it all over. But Fair. it's interesting, like uh, the whole thing, like how it gets deeper. Like you f- figure out, like as I, I've moved to a lot of places, like what you take with you and what this character takes with them, and like mm-hmm. the little piggy toy is one of the ones that sort of like go goes a few places, but like others are sort of like thrown to the the winds, in, yes. like uh, one or two moves, and like, oh. And like I'm very, so like I'm not a hoarder, but I'm very particular of certain things. Like, I'm very sentimental. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a few things in storage which I won't let get thrown away until maybe one day I have a house. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's nice. It the storytelling in that aspect and like how you go from moving into your own spaces and how then you go and move in with like someone else and how you adapt to, like. Be coming in in some of the space and making this space your own, and Mm -hmm. where do you fit in this world? And it gets deep in that aspect, which I wasn't expecting from this sort of like cute little game. Mm -hmm. But I would highly recommend it on Game Pass. Oh yeah, yeah. It's on Game Pass and PC, and that it's not on PlayStation yet. But I would, I when it's on Switch, it's very much this year's indie darling. I would, I would jump onto that because it's so simple, but so. there's so much depth to it at the same time. There's
1: something about unpacking belongings and knowing that they have that personal connection like knowing you're in someone else's stuff um, that like the, the way that it builds that connection and you realize who you are actually playing as and what's happening over time that it does give you that really unique connection. Like I said, it also stirs a whole bunch of different memories for, for the player themselves. Like you remember the time you lived through this. Like it's going to work for certain age groups to um, more than others but it's a very unique little game and I think it's definitely worth picking up. Um, last thing we're going to talk about is Sable, a game that launched largely on fire but it didn't stop me at all, um because I just loved every little system that was in this, um, a game where you play as a character called Sable growing up with a specific tribe a tribe out in uh, like a sort of expansive desert place it 's very breath of the wild, um, but at a certain points when they get to um, people in this tribe get to a certain age, they then leave the tribe they go out they try and find different amounts of uh, knowledge, they try and talk to different tribes, different groups of people, and eventually they'll ask them to make a mask, and at some point that character Sable in this case will come back to the tribe with the knowledge gained um, and sort of like, and then that's how you finish the game, it's up to you how long you want to take exploring, how many different people you want to talk to, how many different masks you want to try and work towards, um, it's up to you when you think you've seen enough of the world, and it's on to, it's on you when you think you've found something valuable enough to bring back to the tribe itself um, and for me it has a lot of like eastern connotations it's very uh, religious and it's like set up, it's a lot of, um, you know, they are directly Talking about pilgrimages um, reminds me a lot of um, so sort of like Muslim beliefs and you know going off to Mecca and stuff like that and then you know coming back enriched as a person and um, which I'm quite close to in terms of my wife's family's beliefs and stuff. So for me that really hit in that way and the way that uh, Sable is dressed is very religious in itself a headdress and things like that. So um, I love this game. This is absolutely one of my games of the year. I think it looks absolutely gorgeous and the fact that there is no combat. It is just a game about exploration, gliding about on a little glider, unlocking parts for it, and just just breathing it all in.
2: That's it, man. It's just about like being in that world, forging relationships, and figuring out who you want to be. You know, There's mm. been a lot of really good coming-of-age stories this year, and this is definitely one of the best, I think. With the exception of maybe It Takes Two, it's one of the best-written games of the year in terms of oh, how yeah, much yeah. humor and personality and humanity it packs into its dialogue. You know, I... Thoroughly enjoyed talking to everyone that you find on this exploration. And you do find these pockets of humanity throughout these cities, throughout these little settlements that you um, visit while you're figuring out who you want to be, what kind of role you want to play as you grow up. And just, you know, like like I said, getting to know those people is so um, lush and is so beautiful and surprisingly tender at parts, you know. Mm. I knew I was going to love it about 20 minutes in where you finally leave the tutorial area and you go out and you're gliding, you go out in your pilgrimage and you're saying goodbye to people that you've known in real life for like 20 minutes, that like I said. That little Gromar character. Yes. I just want her to be all right. I just, I've got to go give her a hug. Well, this is it. You've known them for like 20 minutes. Sable's obviously known them for her entire life up until that point. Uh, but you feel like you've lived that life with her. You feel like you've mm. lived every day with these people. And the fact that that emotionally affected me so much, I just knew I was in for a good ride. And that mm. doesn't let up throughout. Um, you just It just effortlessly strikes this emotional connection to you. And then you're away, and it's just a lush time afterwards.
1: And also, I think just the final thing with that is that the gameplay side of it—it's very, um, you know, here are some structures, go figure it out. It's kind of—it's that new age version of open world stuff where it's not a checklist of stuff to do. There is a, a mission log, let's say, where you can sort of remember which characters you've talked to. But it's—it's it's way more like Breath of the Wild. It's way more like The Pathless. It's way more like Immortals: Phoenix Rising in terms of just here is a structure. What can you do there? Can you slide this? Can you move this? Can you shine a light at this gem? Will that do something? Um, and you just you're just exploring and figuring out who Sable is, who she wants to be, and who you want her to be. Um, and I think that it's just it's just a really, really beautiful game, like, aesthetically and, and internally as well. Um, so those have been our personal 2021 recommendations. We have an upcoming Best Game of 2021 podcast to, uh, to come up where we'll sort of uh, slap the living S out of each other over what actually is 2021's best game. But we'll get to that stuff in good time. For now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Telford, joined by Ben Roy Turner.
3: Don't forget to play i And
1: Josh Brown.
2: I'm still cold.
1: Play Monimals, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.